This is I Am Robert A. Brown Ministries. The following is a recent Sunday morning message given by Pastor Robert Brown. We're going to be coming out of Hebrews, the 8th chapter and the 6th verse. Okay. What's happening here, the writer of Hebrews, we're not sure who the writer is. As you've heard me say over and over again, many think it's Paul. He is making an argument to uh, his Hebrew audience, who he's writing this letter to, that Jesus is the true high priest, as opposed to the high priest that were descendants of Aaron, Aaron being the brother of Moses and the first high priest. All right. So Aaron was the first high priest. He was human just like you and I. It, it was flawed just like you and I. And his sons uh, came after him as high priests, and they were human just like you and I, and they were flawed just like you and I. But Jesus, being the ultimate high priest, who the writer of Hebrews is making an argument for to his Hebrew audience, is superior to uh, Aaron and his descendants as high priests. That's the argument being made here. We talked about the high priest, Jesus being our high priest, weeks ago on one of our messages. All right, so that is the uh, scenario surrounding this scripture we're about to read. Amen? So here we go. It reads, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. He's talking about Jesus being our high priest. So he has a more excellent ministry than the ministry of death, which is the old, which is the old covenant. All right. But how but by how much also he is also the mediator or the go between of a better covenant. So Jesus being our high priest, our ultimate high priest is the mediator of a better covenant covenant all right which was established upon better promises so jesus our high priest is the go-between or the negotiator of a better covenant better than what better than the old covenant hallelujah which is established upon better promises so here in the scripture it's saying that the new covenant has better promises than the old covenant somebody say hallelujah we live in a time where we have a better covenant with better promises so with that said amen our message today is called the new covenant hallelujah glory to god the new covenant amen won't you join me to pray amen as i pray of our service today amen hallelujah father god we come before you in the matchless name of jesus we thank you for this service today lord god we thank you for drawing us to our computers and to our phones and to our tablets and to our internet connected devices lord god that we might have service together lord god thank you for maintaining us during our uh, time away from our physical church building. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Father God, I declare your blessings and your peace, your love, your joy, your healing, your life, your breakthrough upon your people today in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now have your way in our service. You've tasked me with a message that is far, far too great for me, Lord God, to deliver to your people. You are the preacher. You are the teacher. Preach today. Teach today like never before. And we won't fail to give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor because you do all things well. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Here we go. The new covenant. Hallelujah. We need to understand as Christians, we live under a new covenant that has better promises. All right. 
Hallelujah. But we got to do some, some prep work first before we get into the real heart of the message. Amen. So let's look at what, is, what does this word better mean here that the writer of Hebrews 8 and 6 is talking about. Hallelujah. In, in, in regards to covenant. Amen. So as you always see me do, amen, I'm going to define it according to its root Greek word, because the uh, New Testament's written in Greek originally, a corne Greek, amen, a common Greek, amen, hallelujah. So this word better in the Greek is a Greek word, kriton, or kriton, kriton, kriton. Kriton means what is better because fully developed. So it's saying that the promises of the new covenant are better developed, i.e., or example of in reaching the needed dominion, the mastery, the dominance, Hallelujah. So they, they, it, it's, it's more effective. These, these promises are more impactful in the new covenant. Amen. Hallelujah. Also, it says better after exerting the power needed to plant down God's flag of victory. More excellent. So these promises are an indication that God's victory is complete in the new covenant. Amen. Hallelujah. That Jesus defeated Hallelujah, sin, hell, the grave, and the enemy at the cross. And these promises are an indication of that. They're better, amen, than the Old Testament promises. Hallelujah, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's look at our next word, promises, amen. It's also written in Greek, amen, this original word. And it's a Greek word uh, pronounced ep an el Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need to go to Greek classes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But what it means, hallelujah, it's a promise which literally announces what is fitting. So these promises of the new covenant are fitting for God's people. They're fitting for us. Hallelujah. They're apt. They're appropriate. Amen. It's what God intended for us all along these promises. It is used also of the divine promises of blessing, especially of the benefits of salvation by Christ. So these promises are a result or a benefit of what Christ accomplished at the cross. Hallelujah. These better promises, these apt promises, these fitting promises. Hallelujah. Glory to God. These, uh, these, these, these promises that are indication of God's finished uh, work through Christ at the cross. Hallelujah. That he always intended for us. Somebody say hallelujah. So the new covenant has better promises. We're talking about the new covenant today. Amen. But then that brings us to the question, what is a covenant? All right. What is a covenant? It's not language we use today as modern day Christians. Amen. But covenant is important in a biblical sense, amen, to understand God's point of view on things, all right? So let's look at covenant, right, amen? We're going to look at this Greek definition of covenant once again, amen? A covenant, amen, in the Greek, amen, is a word uh, pronounced diatheke, diatheke, all right? And what it means is properly it's a set agreement, so a covenant is an agreement, having complete terms, determined by the initiating party. The initiating party or who brought the covenant into existence is God in this case, amen, with the new covenant, amen. So he brought the agreement to mankind, all right, which also are fully affirmed by the one entering the agreement. So the one entering the agreement would be man, 
Or in the case of the New Testament, it would be Christ who represents man. The God-man represents all of mankind, all right? The perfect man. The covenant is also, it's a, bi- it's a binding legal agreement initiated by blood, which represents life. Blood represents life. So something, a uh, covenant in the Old Testament meant to cut, amen? So cut meaning so that blood would flow. Blood uh, ratifies or initiates a covenant, makes it real. It means that the life of both parties is, is, is put on the line in this agreement, amen? So it's binding. It's a legal agreement initiated by blood. It represents life. can only be ended legally by the death or of one or both parties. So uh, let's think about a marriage, amen. A marriage in God's eyes can only end when one or both of the spouses dies, all right? Hallelujah. So a covenant is a lifelong agreement, okay? This, these are things that we in our modern day thinking don't really ascribe to anymore, but a covenant is a lifelong agreement agreement hallelujah now let's think about the new covenant amen the new covenant is uh can only be uh done away with if christ dies all right christ lives forever now so the covenant can't be ended correct so the covenant is between father god and christ who represents mankind this, this god man this resurrected christ amen represents all believing mankind all right so we know god can't father god can't die and we know that jesus rose from the dead on the third day and will live forevermore so this is a covenant that will not end somebody say hallelujah the new covenant will not end because neither parties are going to die hallelujah Glory to God. Let me read this last part. Regarding the new covenant, this covenant binds men to exercise faith in Christ. And God promises them grace and salvation eternal. We have grace and salvation eternal. We have eternal life and we have a a, a God um, sharing his favor with us eternally. This is new covenant. Eternal grace and salvation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This covenant Christ set up and ratified by undergoing death. When Christ died, it brought to an end the old covenant. But it also brought about the beginning of the new covenant. When he died physically, hallelujah. When he, when he rose from the dead, it was the evidence that Father God accepted his death, his temporary death, as payment for our sins and it initiated the start of the new covenant. Amen? Hallelujah. So his death ended the old because he came and he fulfilled the law. He, Christ kept the Ten Commandments and the associated 613 other commandments that are rooted in the Ten Commandments. He kept those perfectly. He's the perfect man. All right? And he died bringing to an end the old covenant, the covenant of works, the covenant of the law, where you were blessed from God based on your behavior now this is specific to the israelites though because no gentiles were there at mount sinai they had a few um you know gentiles who were uh, just a part of the group of the israelites but generally it was it was this covenant was made with the israelites at mount sinai i'm talking about the old covenant all right that covenant came to an end after 1500 years when christ died at the cross all right, when he rose from the dead, amen, signifying that Father God accepted 
the terms of the new covenant, amen, that he initiated, all right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So this is, this is God's plan, all right? So when he rose from the dead, amen, we have the new covenant, amen? Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But brings another question. What are these promises? In addition to what I talked about, these benefits I already talked about, what are the promises of the new covenant? So the new agreement. So let's think of it in terms of the new agreement by which God blesses mankind, how God's favor is bestowed upon mankind. Amen. And hallelujah, he's always going to show us good favor because he's pleased with our representative, Jesus Christ. The God-man represents us, amen. The covenant was made between Father God and Christ, the God-man. The God-man represented rep and represents all of believing mankind. So we have a new covenant or a new agreement of how God is going to bless us, amen. And he's going to bless us by grace, all right, or favor that we did not earn, hallelujah, but Jesus earned on our behalf. Amen. So let's turn to Jeremiah 3131. 31. The book of Jeremiah is a book where this prophet Jeremiah uh, prophesied during the, the last five kings of the nation of Judah. Remember after David passed away and Solomon passed away, uh, the kingdom of Israel, the nation of Israel was split into two. The northern kingdom was called Israel. It retained its name of the original nation and it had, the ten, it had 10 tribes and the southern kingdom was called Judah. The southern kingdom is where the um, ancestors of David, uh, not ancestors, the descendants of David ruled as kings in Judah. All right. So with all that being said, amen, Jeremiah prophesied to Judah. Judah was falling into moral decay and falling away from God during Jeremiah's ministry. So Jeremiah was warning them of a coming judgment. We're talking about the people of Judah, the nation of Judah. He was warning them of a coming judgment because of their disobedience to God under the old covenant. They were not earning the blessings, which was the way you got blessings under the old covenant. They were not earning it with their behavior. All right. Unfortunately, we as a modern day church still believe we have to earn God's blessings. We're not under the old covenant like Jeremiah and the, uh, uh, the Judeans were at that time, all right? So with this, and Jeremiah prophesying doom and gloom to the nation of Judah, that they would eventually be captured uh, and taken away to uh, Babylon, Babylonia, excuse me, under Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylonian, Babylonia, excuse me. With that said, here Jeremiah is prophesying the people of God or the Israelites at the time being restored by God and given something new. All right. So one, so just for you Bible scholars, amen. And we learned this year or last year, I should say, as we were going through all the books of, uh, of the prophets, that the, the general pattern is the prophets warn Israel or Judah of their wayward ways, uh, that judgment was coming, but they would always be inspired by God to uh, give some type of hope back to the Israelites or the Judeans that God would restore them. And in this case here that we're about to read with Jeremiah, uh, he is encouraging 
the Israelites that God would restore them, all right? Or the Judeans more specifically. All right, with all that wordy explanation, here we go. So Jeremiah 31, 31, we've all read it at one time or another, all right? It reads, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant. So this new covenant was first talked about in the Old Testament portion of the Bible. Wow. He says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Let's understand that at this point in history, the people of God were solely the Israelites, which were made of the northern kingdom, the Israelites, and the southern kingdom, the Judeans. So let's not be scared away by this, all right? So initially, the covenant, this new covenant, was between God and his people of the time, the house, of, uh, the house of Israel, which is the uh, nation of Israel, and the house of Judah, which is the house of Judah or the nation of Judah, all right? So let's not be afraid by that, all right? Let's go to verse 32. It says, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So what covenant was made with their fathers, the fathers of the Israelites and the Judeans, when he brought them out of the land of Egypt? It was the old covenant or the Mosaic covenant, the covenant of law, the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 20. All right. This is what this verse in verse 32 is referring to. He says, I'm not making a covenant like the one I made with uh, the Israelites of old at Mount Sinai. I'm making a new covenant. All right. Which my covenant they break. So we know that they broke the covenant. Amen. Uh, they broke it first when Moses was coming down the, uh, the mountain with the original Ten Commandments and they were they made a golden calf and were worshiping that. All right. So they broke the covenant almost immediately uh, when God had initiated it. All right. And then God knew they would break the covenant over and over again. That's why he instituted the sacrificial system of killing the animals to pay temporarily pay for the sins of the people. All right. Hallelujah. So he's saying it's not like the old covenant that they break. Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. Verse 33, he says, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. Let's remember that at this time in history, only Israel were God's people. All right. Gentiles or non-Jews or non-Israelites were not a part of it yet. All right. That happened after Jesus's resurrection. All right. And during the time of the apostles in the book of Acts. All right. Hallelujah. So let me read that again. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. One, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it and write it in their hearts. Two, and will be their God and they shall be my people. What do you mean? Hallelujah. I'll explain more about that later. Hallelujah. Next verse, 34. Three, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the lord all right still in verse 34 but that part promise number four for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them saith the lord still in verse 34 but uh now promise number five and a key promise i will forgive their iniquity and i will remember their sin no more hallelujah glory to god thank you jesus Listen, hallelujah, lots going on here, but those are the five uh, promises or branches of the new covenant, the five articles of the new covenant, amen? We're going to look at them in terms of promises from God about what he would do 
under the new covenant. All right. Amen. Just to refresh your uh, understanding. Amen. We're talking about the new covenant this week. Amen. I mentioned to you that we as Christians are under the new covenant. Now we are reading scriptures that don't particularly pertain to us at that point in history, but do pertain to us now. We are Christians now. We are now the people of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me explain this more fully. Uh, as I look at my next slide here, it says, as modern day Christians, we should read Jeremiah 31 verses 31 through 34 with this understanding. First, the, the first believers in Christ were Jews who were commanded to not only preach the gospel to their own people or fellow Jews or fellow, fellow Israelites, but to all the people of the earth by the resurrected Christ. So Jesus told them in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 uh, to preach the gospel to, uh, to, Jeru to, um, to Israel, Samaria, and to the utmost parts of the earth. So that meant everybody. So Jesus intended for the gospel to be spread or preached to everybody. That was the secret plan that God had. It's called a mystery by Paul, amen, that God not only wanted to save the Jews, the Israelites, the Hebrews, but he wanted to save everybody that had an open heart to receive his son as Lord and Savior. Somebody say hallelujah. So when we read this, we read that with th that understanding. Point number two, amen, on this slide. Non-Jewish Gentile believers are grafted, or we, we are kind of um, glued to, for lack of a better term, to the body of Christ, amen, into the family of God through Christ. So we are grafted into the family of God through Christ, and now in, we are in Christ. He's the new head of the new human race, amen. We no longer find our ancestry in uh, Adam. We find it in Christ now. He's the second Adam. Those of us, mankind, that are believers in Christ, all right? So we're in Christ. We're no longer in Adam and have access to the promises of God. We have access to the promises of God through the Jewish Jesus, through the Israelite Jesus. Amen. Now, there's an argument among scholars that Christians, we can't claim the promises of God in the Old Testament because they were made with the Israelites. And I understand that point. But if we are in Christ and we find now our spiritual ancestry through Christ and Christ in his human form was an Israelite and we're in Christ, then we can claim the promises of the Old Testament through Christ. Christ, somebody say hallelujah. Just like, amen, we got the curse through Adam. We were in Adam and we got the curse, amen, that Adam had, amen, glory to God. Even though we weren't from that part of the world that Adam, those of us in America at least, aren't from that part of the world that Adam was in, amen, in the Garden of Eden. We got his curses. We were in Adam and we got the curse of death, amen, hallelujah. Now, us being believers, we are in Christ and we can claim the promises, amen, hallelujah, that the Jewish Jesus would have received as a Jewish, hallelujah, person that was under the covenant that God made with the Israelites at Mount Sinai. Hallelujah. I know that's wordy, a wordy explanation, but through Christ, we can claim the promises as modern day Christians, hallelujah, of the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, we're not under the stipulations because the old covenant is over. But the promises, amen, we can claim, amen. And I know some scholar will argue that, amen, holiday. That's a good Bible study lesson there, amen. 
All right. Let me read this again. The non-Jewish Gentile believers are grafted into the family of God through Christ and are now in Christ and have access to the promises of God and are considered, and are considered the people of God alongside the Jews. So believing Jews are the people of God and we as accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior are now the people of God. So the church is made up of believing Jews and believing Gentiles. We are the body of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what we are. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. Amen. Now we know by and large, many of God's original people don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. All right. Hallelujah. And we want to pray for them. We want to love them. We want to, um, you know, the Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. All right. But the church is made of believing Jews who there are a number of them and believing Gentiles or non-Jews or people like you and I. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's go to our next slide. We're going to delve deeper into these five promises or articles or branches that were mentioned in Jeremiah, okay? The first one, promise number one, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. What does this mean? All right? Now, next slide, uh, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 3.3. Amplified Classic Version. All right, so what does this mean? According to the commentary of John Gill, um, Adam had, before he sinned, he had the law or the moral code or the morality of God written on his heart. When he sinned, that moral code disappeared. It went away. So Adam when made by God, had the morality, so the Ten Commandments or the, the moral code of God or the, the law of God, they, uh, the, the, how God, uh, how the morality or the, uh, the, the, the knowledge of right and wrong that flows from God, amen. Adam had, was moral and it was written on his heart, okay, his inner man, his soul, amen. So he in his soul, in his innocence, amen, had morality, all right? That went away when he sinned, amen? Glory to God. So with that understanding, amen, let's read the scripture, 2 Corinthians 3, 3. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, which was made of mostly Gentiles or non-Jews. He said, you show and make obvious that you are a letter from Christ. He doesn't take the credit for himself. He talks about your letter from Christ, delivered by us. So we delivered the gospel message, that, that's what he and his helpers did. They, they preached the gospel, taught from the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. Not written with ink or physical, uh, a physical thing, but with the spirit of the living God. So the Holy Spirit did a work in the people at Corinth, the believers at Corinth. Not on tables of stone, but on tables of the human heart. So what he's telling the Corinthians here, what the Apostle Paul is telling them, is now that you have been preached the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit after with regeneration means being born again, that as you hear the gospel and now that you've been regenerated, your spirit now uh, 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 has the Holy Spirit living inside, a portion of the Holy Spirit living inside of you as a believer. Amen. Hallelujah. The moral code is now being written 
on our hearts or on the hearts of believers. Hallelujah. Glory to God that our 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 desire to live like God, to be like God in character, in behavior is now being written on our hearts, no longer on the cold two cold pieces of stone like the Ten Commandments, but on our hearts. This is one of the promises of the new covenant in Jeremiah 31. Amen. That God, through the preaching of the gospel that Paul and his helpers did, and through the work of the Holy Spirit, amen, which are really one and the same, amen, because Paul and his helpers were being inspired by the Holy Spirit, are having the believers, which at which, which that time was the Corinthians, but now includes you and I, have the moral code or law of God written on their hearts or in their souls or in their inner man. Somebody say hallelujah. It's promise number one. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. This is why a lot of times we feel conflicted as Christians because now there's a moral code being written in our souls and in our inner hearts. Amen. Hallelujah. Though our, 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 our flesh, our sin nature, amen, is still tugging at us, amen, to do things that are unpleasing to God. My God, it's been written in our souls, on our hearts. Amen. Let's look at promise number two. Next slide. So promise number two from Jeremiah 31, it says, and we'll be their God and they shall be my people. Hallelujah. We're going to be coming out of 1 Peter 2 and 9 with the next slide. So what does that mean? So uh, that uh, will be their God and they shall be my people. Amen. Weren't the Israelites God's people already? Well, God was displeased with his people, as I was talking about with Jeremiah, and was threatening judgment upon them during Jeremiah's time. And eventually they were taken away captive, amen, by the Babylonians, amen, where uh, at least temporarily, they were no longer God's people. He allowed them to be conquered and taken away. So here, as a promise of the new covenant, uh, God is saying through Jeremiah that uh, you will truly be my people, not only through your ancestry through Abraham, but through your uh, acceptance of my son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, and that not only applies to the believing Israelites or Jews, but now applies to us as Gentiles. All right. We have accepted Christ. So now we are God's people as well. So they are fully God's people. Those that have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen. So they're, they're through the flesh. They are God's people through Abraham, but now through the spirit they're God's people through Jesus Christ. We are not God's people through the flesh, but we are through uh, we are through Jesus Christ, who was a son of Abraham, amen, a descendant of Abraham or the true seed of Abraham. It wasn't Isaac. It was ultimately Jesus Christ, amen. So we are connected to God through and are his people through Jesus Christ, who was the seed of Abraham, amen. Hallelujah. So here we go. So it's a spiritual thing for us Gentiles, all right? Let me read this scripture. Now here, Peter, the church was going through persecution when Peter wrote this first Peter 2 and 9 all right and he was trying to encourage the church to to build the church back up amen Peter was in uh, was in custody of Nero who was the Roman Emperor at the time no, understand that at that point in history the uh, the whole uh, area of the Mediterranean area which is around the Mediterranean Sea was ruled by the Roman Empire amen and part of that was uh, the nation of Israel at the time amen 
So here Peter's trying to encourage these new Christians, uh, whether they be Jews or whether they be Gentiles, that uh, you are God's people. He's encouraging them. Amen. Let's read the scripture together. Amen. Although we're going through, sometimes we forget where God, where you at, where you at. Amen. So here Peter was encouraging them that you are God's people and have a special mission. So here, here it reads. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased, special people. Purchased what? How? Uh, purchased by the blood of Jesus. Special people that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness or not knowing Christ, ignorance, and into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Jesus, the gospel, a light. Amen. Hallelujah. They bring understanding. They bring revelation of who God is, who his son is, Jesus Christ, and all the benefits that come with it. Amen. Let's go to the next slide. Verse Verse 10, 1 Peter 2 and 10, Amplified Classic Version. He says, once you were not a people at all, hallelujah, this happened to the Israelites, the Jews, amen, when we were carried off into captivity. The first, the Israelites, hallelujah, were carried off to uh, uh, Assyria, amen, and then uh, years later, the Judeans or the southern kingdom were carried off to Babylon. So they were not a people at that time. And we as Gentiles were not a people. We didn't have, we weren't a part of the family of God. He says, once you were not a people at all, but now you are God's people. Once you were unpitied, but now you are pitied and have, and have received mercy. So the third promise is that we are God's people through Jesus Christ. We were purchased through the blood of Jesus Christ. We were redeemed. Redeemed means purchased. And the price was not money. The payment was not money. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. He laid down his life. He took sin upon himself. Laid, poured out blood. Paid for our sins. Amen. Hallelujah. We were purchased. Amen. And him rising from the dead on the third day, on the third day was the evidence that Father God accepted his payment or his life as payment for our sins. Somebody say hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. We're going to go to the next slide. Promise number three from Jeremiah 31. We're talking about the new covenant. We're talking about the benefits, the promises, the articles, the branches of the new covenant. We identified three things. Amen. Hallelujah. Just to review real quick. Amen. Hallelujah. Number one, he says, I will put my law in your, in your inward parts and write it in uh, inward parts and write it on their hearts. Number two, he says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Hallelujah. And number three, amen, which is uh, promise number three says, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother. So what is this all about? What is this promise about? So does it mean that we don't have to preach anymore? Does it mean that we don't have to have Bible study or learn about Jesus anymore? Or is it talking about something else? Let's go to the next slide. It's Revelation 21 and 1. Here, John the Elder, who was one of the apostles, the one of the original apostles, he referred to himself as the apostle, the apostle or, the, or the one who, whom Jesus loved. Amen. He wrote the book of the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And he wrote the book of Revelation. Amen. As inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So here in the book of Revelation is basically about how Jesus wins, how, uh, how Israel, those that, uh, the Israelites, those that survive the tribulation and see Christ sitting on the throne, as, uh, and that's what they are waiting for, amen, how they are saved, 
and how uh, the church, amen, hallelujah, lives in victory forevermore, how Jesus gets the victory, all right? So in this scenario, once evil is defeated, the devil is, is put away forever, amen, in the lake of fire and all those who have rejected Christ, believe it or not, there are people who just don't, they may even know that Christ is Lord, but just choose, to, I, I don't want to accept him. Those people will go to hell. God is, is, is loving in that he will not make people love him. So people, God doesn't per se send people to hell. He, what he does is he doesn't bring them to heaven when he knows that they don't want him. He doesn't do things against their will. Amen. Now we need to try to get saved as many people as possible. Amen. Hallelujah. As we're inspired by the Holy Ghost. Amen. But there will be people who just say, I don't want Jesus. And no matter how many times we tell them, amen, now we have to keep on telling them, but there are people who will continue to reject him, amen. All right, so with all that said, amen, hallelujah. Let me read the scripture and I'll explain some more. So Revelation 21 and 1, it says, And I saw, this, this is John speaking, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Next slide, verse 2. And I saw John, the holy city. And I, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. It's the church coming down. We will be in heaven living in the New Jerusalem, and heaven and earth will once again be one. Amen. As they were in the Garden of Eden. Amen. Next slide, verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. So the God's living with men. As the tabernacle represented with the children of Israel, God with man. Hallelujah. It, which was the type. Amen. Hallelujah. Which was foreshadowing. Amen. The reality will take place here in verse 3 of chapter 21. He says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. All right, verse 4, next slide. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Hallelujah. Neither sorrow, hallelujah, nor crying, glory to God. Neither shall there be any, pain, any, any more pain, glory, hallelujah. For the former things are passed away. So these things will be passed away, sorrow, crying. Then no more pain, no more death. Former things passed away. Amen. Glory to God. We're going to jump over to verse 22 now. Uh, um, chapter 22, verse 3. Amen. With our next slide. Amen. We're jumping one chapter over. Revelation 22 and 3 says, And there shall be no more curse. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Passed down from Adam. But the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and, and his servants shall serve him. Next slide. Verse 4. And they shall see his face. We will see Jesus' face face to face and his name shall be in their foreheads amen so we'll be marked as his amen next next slide verse 5 of 22 and there shall be no light there and they and and they need no candle or neither light of the sun so there won't even be a sun amen for the lord god giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever hallelujah why did i read all that amen so that goes hand in hand with the third promise amen Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother. Amen. When we are in this new heaven and new earth. So this is this is speaking about something that has not happened yet. Amen. 
there'll be no need for preaching and, 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 and teaching and all these other things. Hallelujah. Because we will know the Lord. We will be, he will live with us. Amen. Not only, not by just spirit. Amen. But we, in, in, in substance, we will be with the Lord. We will know him. We will be with him. I don't need to preach to Asa about Jesus if Jesus is there with us. This speaks of a future promise and is wonderful. No pain, no crying. You'll no, have no need for a preacher like me. You'll have the substance. You'll have Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. Glory to God. Especially in times like these, amen, with the pandemic that's killed over 220,000 people, amen, and over 8 million people have been infected in this country, in this fallen world. Amen. We have an election coming up in a few days. We have racial tensions. Amen. Hallelujah. We've got people driving and pickup trucks for their uh, candidate that they want to be in office and being aggressive on the roads. We have other people protesting. All these things that are going on. Amen. We won't have to worry about in the new heaven and earth. Somebody say hallelujah. That's a part of the new covenant. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's go on to number four. We're going to go to the next slide. Promise number four, article number four, branch number four of the new covenant is, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. All right, let's go to our next slide to explain this one. Second Corinthians 3.18. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth once again. You know that Corinth is made up of mostly Gentile believers in Christ. Here we go. And it reads, I'm reading from the Amplified Version. It says, and we all with unveiled face. Now, this unveiled faith, face reference is referencing Moses when he came down from Mount Sinai with the second set of Ten Commandments. He broke the first, went back up on Mount Sinai, and got a second set of Ten Commandments that he had to actually write out of himself. The first set were written by the finger of God. Second set was written out by Moses on the tablets. All right. Hallelujah. He had to veil his face before the rest of the children of Israel because the glory of God was shining off of his face and intimidating the rest of the Israelites at that time. So he veiled his face or he covered his face. Amen. Like I did last week, he covered his face. Amen. To, so that the glory would not intimidate Amen. His, the, and the shine from his face, from being in the presence of God, the glory was coming off his face and intimidating the Israelites. So that's what this reference Paul is making to here. He says, now, he says, and we all with unveiled face, so the glory shining off our face as Christians, amen, won't be veiled, won't be covered, amen, continually seeing as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, amen. So we are, you know, when we see ourselves and see other Christians, we'll see the glory of the Lord shining off them. Real quick testimony. Uh, I remember being a part of another church. Amen. And I was coming out of the church building. Unbeknownst to me, this woman uh, that was coming to the church for help saw me. She gave a testimony later that said she saw a glory coming off of me. Now, this is not me patting myself on the back. This is speaking of the glory of the Lord. I had been in God's presence and it was his glory shining off of me that impacted this woman. Amen. Hallelujah. Who was not saved at the time. Amen. So it wasn't a spiritual thing she saw. She saw some kind of glory. I can't really describe it to you, but she saw it. Amen. So there's a glory, the glory of the Lord being in his presence, learning about him. 
Amen. Through the gospel message. Amen. Having his Holy Spirit live inside of us. Amen. Hallelujah. That shines forth a glory. That's what Paul is talking about here. So with all that being said, he says, are progressively being transformed into his image. So the Holy Spirit and the gospel are over time transforming you and I as believers in Christ. And if you're not a believer, you will get an opportunity at the end of the message. Amen. Hallelujah. We are progressively or over time being transformed into the image of Christ in our character, in the glory shared with us by him shining off of us. Amen. In the way we are. Amen. Operating by way of the Holy Spirit. We're progressively being transformed into his image. One degree of glory to even more glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen. So what am I saying? Amen. Hallelujah. I believe the King James said, as we behold the, uh, the Lord with an open face, as we keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Our focus is Jesus. The focus of the church is Jesus. The focus of your life is Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You will know him. Amen. As you hear the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. As you have the Holy Spirit moving inside of you. Amen. Hallelujah. For you shall know him. Hallelujah. From the least unto the greatest. So regardless what title you got on your life, amen, whether I'm pastor or whether it's the newest person that comes to the church, amen, hallelujah, and get, and get saved and gets to know the Lord, amen, through the gospel message, through the activity of the Holy Spirit in their lives, amen, we get to know the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God, as promise number four, amen, is talking about, amen, glory to God, hallelujah, Peter, Peter, not Peter, Paul talked about, amen, that he might know the Lord and the power of his resurrection, amen, hallelujah, and you know that through the gospel message amen the gospel emphasizes jesus rising from the dead hallelujah as a as, as the evidence that our sins have been paid for somebody say hallelujah glory to god and you don't need to go to seminary to know the lord amen that's between you and him amen hallelujah and as you're open to the gospel message amen you get to know the lord unfortunately our churches amen have been lifting up our human leaders too much that we miss out on the lord amen and we start worshiping other men and we don't get to know the Lord it's all about Jesus I'm just a sign in the road pointing you to Jesus no more no less hallelujah it's all about Jesus my job is to preach the gospel and the Holy Spirit, amen, has activity in each of us to help us to know the Lord as the promise from Jeremiah 31, amen, speaks about. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's go to the next slide, promise number five. Here's another big one, and our final promise, our final article, our final branch, amen? And it reads, I will forgive their iniquity and will remember their sin no more. This word iniquity is not really talked about a lot. We always say it, we quote it from the Psalms and other scriptures, amen. But iniquity are willful sins where you know something is wrong, yet you do it anyway. You know what you're doing or about to do is wrong. That's an iniquity. That's a result of our sin nature. Adam knew that eating from the tree was wrong. He committed an iniquity. God told him he knew he committed a willful sin. That's what iniquity is. So here God is saying, 
a part of Jeremiah 31, he says, I will forgive their iniquities. Talking about originally the children, the Israelites, the Judeans. But now we're part of the family of God as well. And this is also quoted in Hebrews 8 and 12, which is the main clause of the New Testament. I will forgive their iniquity or their willful choice to sin. And I will remember their sin that talk about general sins altogether. No more. I will forgive their willful sin and I will remember all. I will not remember their sins anymore. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This is a promise of the new covenant. Too many times as modern day Christians, we are trying to fix people's behavior instead of pointing them to the promises that God made in Jeremiah 31. I will forgive their willful choices to sin. I will remember their general sins no more. Now, many are fearful that once we teach this to Christians, that people will just go out and sin and just do whatever and have a license to sin. This is not a license to sin. This is God's grace, God's favor, making allowances for, God, for man's weakness. But once you and I hear this, we should embrace it and be joyful and be jubilant that God understands our weakness and, and sent Jesus, amen, to pay for our weaknesses. Somebody say hallelujah. Glory to God. No man can live holy apart from God. I can't go to God and say, God, I'm going to live holy. I don't need your help. I'm going to do it all on my own. And that's what religion is. God, I don't need your help. I'm going to live holy on my own, even though you are the source of holiness. Christian maturity is, Lord, I'm nothing without you. Empower me to live for you. Write your moral code on my heart. Let the activity of the Holy Spirit or your spirit, amen, have free course in me and live the life of Christ through me, empower me to live the life of Christ by way of your spirit. Somebody say hallelujah. Glory to God. So what does all this mean? Amen. Let's go to Ephesians 1 and 7 to explain that last promise or branch or article from Jeremiah. This is Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. He says in him, in him being Christ. So we're in Christ, in him. We have redemption. That is our deliverance and salvation through his blood. So redemption is a payment. The payment was blood. The payment was made to God, which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sin. All of our sins have been wiped away past, present and future. Now, sin, when we talk about the state of sin in believers has been wiped away, the account, our life account all the things we've done, the things we are doing and struggling with right now, and the things we haven't even committed yet, amen, Holly, that are wrong, were paid for at the cross. The, the, the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sins in accordance with the riches. God is rich in grace. He's rich in favor towards believing mankind this is the new covenant hallelujah 
you're struggling with sin, but you're a believer. Amen. Let's focus back on Christ. Let's understand he paid for that sin already. Amen. And understand you can't pull yourself out of it. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Despite all that, fellowship with God is not broken as it was with the, uh, with the Israelites and with the, with, the Jude- with the Judeans. Amen. Jesus said in John 14, 16 that he would give us his Holy Spirit forevermore. The Holy Spirit will not leave. So even through your struggles, God is with you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's wrap this up. I've had, I've had you guys for like 50 minutes. Amen. In conclusion, last, uh, last slide, amen, here of our message. Amen. In conclusion, the new covenant is an unbreakable agreement. It's unbreakable because neither party is going to die. Father God's not going to die and Jesus is not going to die. Hallelujah. It's an unbreakable agreement between God and man. Christ the God man represented all of mankind or believing mankind. Initiated by blood, shed blood of Christ. That's the payment. Amen. In which Father God won. Father God blesses mankind. The elect, those he knows will receive Christ as Lord with the gospel message of Christ and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to righteousness, right relationship or right legal standing before God. Amen. No, these are the, these are uh, paraphrased uh, pro- uh, the promises we, we read in Jeremiah 31. Three, the promise of the perfect knowledge of God in the new heaven and new earth. Amen. We'll know him. We'll live with him. We'll be with him forever. Four, intimate relationship with God through the revelation of what his son accomplished at the cross. Amen. As we keep our eyes on Jesus, as we're beholding him, uh, hallelujah, with open face. Amen. Like in a mirror, like he's looking, like, uh, uh, like we look in the mirror. Amen. Oh, he's staring back at us. As we look at ourselves and we stare at ourselves, we're looking at Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. As we get the gospel message. Amen. As the work of the Holy Spirit takes place in us. Amen. We get to know God on this side of heaven. Hallelujah. We get to know Jesus on this side of heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Number five, the total and complete forgiveness of all our sins, past, present and future for all those who believe in the substitutionary death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the all sufficient atonement payment for our sins. That is the new covenant. Amen. Your sins have been forgiven past, present and future future does God want you to live like he lived yes amen hallelujah but that's hallelujah our part is to voluntarily allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in our lives and live the life of Christ through us that is the main job of the Holy Spirit to live the life of Christ through us once we've been born again once we've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit then he works to unveil Christ to us and live the life of Christ through us as we yield our members to him, we yield our body to him. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's an important thing I want to say to you. As Christians, we live under the new covenant, which is righteousness by grace through faith. We are righteous by grace or God's unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. We don't deserve it. Through faith. Faith in who? Faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You and I as born again believers, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you are righteous. Maybe not fully through your behavior yet, but you have a right standing before God. Amen. No one can call you unrighteous. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because you have come to God through Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty for your sin. He was the scapegoat. So once again, as Christians, we live under the new covenant that has 
better promises and not the old covenant of the law, which was righteousness by works, which unfortunately has filtered into the church over the last 2000 years where we have been trying to be pleasing to God through our good works or our attempts to keep the Ten Commandments, saying, God, I'll keep the, I don't need your help. I'll keep the Ten Commandments and prove myself to you. And the church has failed over and over again when we've done that. I have failed personally when I've tried to live holy to prove myself to God instead of acknowledging what Jesus did at the cross. When we try to live holy apart from God, we disrespect the cross and all that Jesus did at the cross. We don't understand the cross. The cross is bigger than you know, guys. It's more wonderful than you can imagine. It means the pardoning of your sins, past, present, and future, and, then, and, and, and the receiving the Holy Spirit, indwelling in your spirit, and empowering you to live the life of Christ. Christ didn't live unholy, he lived holy. Notice Holy Spirit hallelujah, will cause you to live holy not, and not beat people up for their failures. Understand that people are weak. I'm weak. He's strong. And he's strong in me and he wants to be strong in you. Amen. We do not live under the old covenant. We do not live under the old covenant. We live under the new covenant with better promises. Let me leave you with this last scripture. And I'm going it's, to, it's here on the screen, amen. Let me read this and then I'll, I'll, I'll quote you the New Testament, I mean the, uh, um, the King James, amen. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. The King James says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free and be not entangled again in bondage. Here Paul is calling the law bondage. Religion is bondage. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, there's a moral code written on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as we are led by the Holy Spirit and bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we will live that holy life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But we no longer are trying to keep the law through our own physical efforts apart from God, which is religion or the law. We live under the new covenant, amen, with better promises. Somebody say, hallelujah, I'm done. Friends, if you are impacted by this message about Jesus Christ and want to receive his love and forgiveness, say these words with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Please forgive me of all sins, transgressions, and iniquities. I believe you died to pay the penalty for all my sins, past, present, and future. I believe you rose from the dead as the evidence that Father God accepted your sacrifice for my sins. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you said that prayer sincerely, you are saved and one day going to heaven. So God bless you. God loves you. And go on with the Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us at I Am Robert A. Brown Ministries. We hope the message blessed you and unveiled the love of Christ to you in a greater way. God bless.